is to stop doing all the things you loved. No movies, <laughs> no restaurants, and no loved ones. No friends, no relatives. Even the donkey parks and snake parks were closed. Everything was closed. No walks in nature also because at that time it was not clear how it was spread mm -hmm. and to what extent it would be spread. So even the most and to do some kind of intake of their lives. And that is the reason why this is continuing, because it's not done. We can get together with little bit, but as soon as we get used to it, what happens? Yeah, then immediately we read in the news, there is a surge. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and uh, so when I go for my morning walk, <laughs> uh, 
and uh, uh, when I go for the morning walk, they will be standing there and just laughing their heads off for no reason. There is no joke. There is nothing. But still, no one is able to laugh. Swamiji demonstrated how it is possible to laugh without even telling a joke. Without even a joke. You want to hear how? How? Okay, so this is how he used to say it. So he told a joke one day in class. Alright? And then everybody laughed. There was one holdout who did not understand the joke, poor thing. And then, for one week, he scratched his head and thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. Then he went to Pujjaswam. And he said, Swamiji, I have been thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. What this joke is, I didn't understand it when you told me. And now I think I got it. But by the time he got this many words out, he was laughing so hard. He couldn't get past himself. Then Swamiji hadn't even forgotten what joke he <laughs> So Swamiji said, okay, tell me what was the joke and what you understood. So when the man told Swamiji what he understood, then Swamiji laughed. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had missed the point entirely. <laughs> so then, what is the joke? Nobody knows. But we have had three laughters for the joke already. You know, everybody laughing in the hall. And then the man laughing by himself and the man laughing with Swamiji. And then Swamiji laughing. And now we are all laughing. Actually, four <laughs> Four bouts of laughter without even something funny. Yeah. Without any joke being told. Without any joke being told. So this is this is the this is the uh, way because laughter is natural. Mm. It's natural to smile. It's natural to laugh. Sometimes it gets challenging because of the eclipse we keep talking about in the class. Mm. So therefore, what to do? To be in place of lightness mm -hmm. of being. And one way to really do this is to make sure that we have, we are able to laugh at ourselves. Mm. That's the best thing. Each time you make a mistake, instead of carrying a wig and beating yourself, just laugh. Just say, I'm so funny. I'll never learn. What is wrong with me? Here I go again. Yeah, you know? When we try telling the better halves, then the situation becomes even more funny. And so you just laugh, 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 laugh. And when you are able to laugh at yourself, then when other people laugh at you, and don't worry, they will, <laughs> then it is not so painful. Then you don't worry about other people's judgment so much because you are able to laugh at yourself. And that's what somebody said, you know, laugh and the whole world will laugh with you. Mm. If you're crying, what will happen? You're all by yourself in a corner sitting and crying. Mm. That's what it is. Small things. And nowadays they say, what is that called? Attitude of gratitude. And so, 
we just uh, are grateful for what is. Whatever there is, we are grateful. However we are, we are grateful. And if we can't find things to be grateful about, we just look a little more closely. And then we see in like small things. Doesn't have to be big things. And then when we start celebrating and being very happy with the small things, then all the things that are troubling us just recede. Just recede, 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 recede. Hmm. Namaskara Swami Gle. In this world, apparently a lot of mental health issues people have to manage it, okay, avoid first. How to manage it somehow. It's a big problem. It's alienation. <coughs> a sense of disconnect from oneself, from our fellow beings, and from Ishwar. That is, that is the problem. And so that sense of disconnect has to be remedied. And it's a process. It's a process. And that is really at the root of all mental health issues. I mean, we are not talking of any kind of severe things. We are talking of garden variety neurosis. Because anything else requires a doctor's consultation and it has to be managed medically, etc. If we are talking of chemical imbalances, etc. But garden variety neurosis, not psychosis, can be, can be you know, looked at from the standpoint of age. If the person is willing and able, the quickest way out of this is to start a bhakti practice. And in which they say, I am not a devotee, I don't want anything, just buy them some bhajans to listen to. Let them listen to bhajans. Even on YouTube or something. Some bhajans. In any language, in any culture, in any kind of thing. Some kind of a calming, wonderful music. This is, this is what is very important. Then, a relationship with an altar. An altar of transformation. An altar of surrender. In any which way or form. Something sacred to look up to. Some place they can go in order to feel a little better. In their own house, something to relate to is very, very, very important. Then there are other practices which connect one better to oneself, like journaling, any other practices that have self-love, like uh, yoga, journaling, even therapy helps. All these things, whatever one needs, to be in a place uh, where one feels that one is connected. So along with bhakti, another way is to do seva. Because in every place there are homeless kitchens and people needing help. Just go serve for one hour, two hours, whatever it is. If, I mean, it doesn't have to be a gurukulam. If you are living next to the gurukulam, wonderful if you are able to come. But if you are living, living far away and it's not an option, there are many things right in your own neighborhood. 
there are uh, uh, food kitchens, there are women's shelters, there are uh, boys and girls clubs. Any place you just go and volunteer for one hour and all the loneliness and the feeling that one is going crazy goes away. Absolutely goes away. And so this is when you feel like you are contributing to something larger than yourself, then it's a very sane life. Very sane. I must appreciate the, uh, the great uh, mastery that you have over the language, English, and the way which you come across in the lectures is, you know, very, very nice. It's very, very nice to... It's all him. It's all him. It's all Guru's grace. That is what. Did you also have a question? Yes. Uh, I want to just let you know that the first time I got introduced to him was in Singapore. In Singapore? In Singapore. Wow, yes. This was in 2000. Yeah. He was giving a lecture. And I went there after a hard day's work. Yeah. Absolute hard day's work. I was listening to him and then I sat up. An honest admission. <laughs> And he noticed that yeah. and made a comment on that. <laughs> but after that, you know, every time I come to him, yeah. you know, I, I now, over the years, I start realizing the greatness that you have on the teachings of Vedanta that, that he brings in. So, mm. I'd like to learn more about Vedanta and other things. Absolutely, like please do. We have online classes you can join. And uh, we have, what else do we have? YouTube. We have a channel on YouTube. Workshop? Uh, podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Well, you can listen in many ways. Oh, podcast? Yeah, podcast is also there. You can listen. It's called Arsha Gurukulam Podcast. You can listen. Sometimes the best laugh. Oh, Vivian? Yeah. I have to have more joy. Hang around Vivian. Right. 
Washing your your sorrows, or is it means how can you get over it rather than looking behind? Ah yes yes. So no, I would yeah. like to have your opinion yes. because this is like a self satisfaction type of thing. Right right. Very good questions both of them. First one, can do you have to be laughing all the time, or can you be contented and just sit quietly? Is that also not a manifestation of ananda? Yes, it is. It's like you know the person of self knowledge is described as an ocean. Sometimes when you look at the ocean, it is roaring. Maybe the full moon, you know, the tides are attracting, and it's roaring, making a lot of noise, crashing against the rocks. And on certain other days, it is very placid, calm. But it is still full, right? And similarly, the person of knowledge has that fullness, has the uh, wholeness of the ocean. Sometimes, if the if the jnani is laughing, then it is a laughing, roaring ocean. Sometimes it is a quiet ocean. So it's not the laughing or the roaring or the quietness, but it is the fullness that matters. And sometimes the fullness laughs. Sometimes the fullness is silent. So that is the first part. The second part is the, of what he asked is very. It's a common way. Uh, people advise one another. <laughs> oh, you are feeling bad because you have a sprain in your foot. Look at the person who has one leg <laughs> or no leg. But you see, there's a very partisan vision. Why not look at the person who is driving a BMW and has legs? <laughs> <laughs> then, then this doesn't work. 
पॉझिटिव्ह थिंकिंग जे म्हणतात ना पॉझिटिव्ह थिंकिंग वर्कशॉप ऑल दीज थिंग्स सो दॅट पीपल हू बेनिफिट फ्रॉम दॅट आर द लिडर्स ऑफ द वर्कशॉप बिकॉज मेक सम मनी आउट ऑफ दिस दॅट्स सो ओव्हरकमिंग द डिससॅटिस्फॅक्शन ऑफ वन झोन लाईफ is not going to help by looking at somebody who has less it's just a temporary fix like you what did you call it white washing or what it's just a temporary fix the discontent was looked into why is it that i am discontent what is it that i don't feel like i have and then instead of taking that to be real you say whatever it is that i don't have then why is it troubling me so much do a little bit of a self inquiry and then make a make a one side of the page of all the things you have and not what other person doesn't have but what you have and then when you see that it in any given day that side will overpower the other side mm-hmm. and so that's how we uh, we grow because the discontent is a projection on the self like the eclipse on the sun pain sorrow fear guilt hurt are all projections if i am in the place of the sakshi i can watch the projections if i am getting caught up in the projections that means i am too close to it or i have identified with the projection itself so therefore step back i am observing that i am sad never say i am sad mm. even if other people think you are weird it's okay <laughs> then you can say you are observing that i am weird that's your perception that's your observation never say i'm sad because it's not it's really not true and sometimes when you say things very often it gains a certain uh, momentum and it appears to be more real then the i that is that is uh, full and whole and not sad at the same time oh i feel guilty no instead of that rephrase it i notice that i have some guilt bubbling up <laughs> then you can say okay bubble down enough <laughs> you are in charge and thank uh, you i feel hurt by what the other person did and instead of that just say i am noticing some pain hmm interesting just like that like when you walk around somewhere you're taking a walk and then you see you go by a building and you see the building has a crack you say ha huh, i walked by this building yesterday i don't remember this crack ha huh, it has a crack interesting that's all it is but if that building happens to be yours then there is an identification <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So therefore that uh, that conscious disidentification from the from being the, uh, from being aligned or having that ownership of the body mind sense process it is important to notice how we think matters how we talk matters how we talk to others about ourselves also matters Mm-hmm. but it leads to mediocrity and I'm going back to my you know like you're content whatever I have which I, I should be as, as German or all people but don't be so but does it lead to mediocrity 
I can give example like a uh, tennis player. If you are in the playing professional, that it's oh, yes, 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 I do. That that's what I meant in the yeah, yeah. Regard. Yes, sure. The professional guy will look back. Ah, oh, these are all college students. I'm at least playing professional. Yeah. But his goal is go up and. and this is a, yeah. This is a common question I have encountered from many professionals. Who say that they are not coming? I mean, you are an exception, but here many people say that we are not coming to Vedanta classes because then I'll become contented. Contented. <laughs> <laughs> Who will run my company? Where will there be progress? What kind of a progress is this? Tell me. What we what we have now is progress. Really? You know, you wake up. You know, you you wake up in a rush. You wake up with a heart beating fast. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what day is it, what day is it, what day is it, what do I have to do, what do I have to do, what do I have to do? And then what, you jump into the shower? No Hindu should jump into the shower, okay? <laughs> and I'll give you the reason why. And you jump into the shower, and then what? You grab a bite to eat, <laughs> and then you run out the door, and then what? You hit the road <laughs> and then you crank out some emails at work naturally you become cranky and on the way you hit the road on the way back you beat the traffic <laughs> nobody hopes you throw something together <laughs> or if you are a young adult somebody told me this I just nuked it <laughs> What do you do? Crash. Are you a machine? You will Is this progress? Where you are completely disconnected from your body, from your mind, from your senses, from the very fiber of your being? And I tell you this, even though the Buddhist tradition is credited with mindfulness, with uh, the cultivation of mindfulness, the Zen being on this side of the continuum. Like even if there is a noise, this is the joke, the standing joke. You know, if there is a noise, somebody uh, comes, like a wild animal roars right behind me. I will take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Zen is very close to Vedanta, very, very close to Vedanta. It all has come from this as well, because even in Vedanta we have that. And it is not so much in Vedanta as the first portion of the Veda, which is about the know-how of how to live, how to be, etc. And there it says that you slowly wake up, you look at your hands, which are karmendriyas, which are the organs of action. And you visualize who? The goddess of prosperity at your fingertips. How can anything you do go wrong? <laughs> Lakshmi, Chachin is there in, the, in your fingertips. And then she's backed by Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge. And on the palms is Govinda. Govinda means the one who is found in the words of Vedanta, Ishwar. Govinda is a name for Ishwar. 
And so, uh, so bless these hands. This is what, you know, the hands are already blessed. I'm looking at that. And the feet touch the Mother Earth. And there is a silent prayer. May there not be any, uh, what is that called? May I not be a burden today. I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> Nobody should jump into the shower. We should... You know, it's actually a bucket bath. What you do to Bhagavan, you do to yourself. <laughs> That's what you do. That's why when elderly relatives come from India, and you, know, you show them the room, and you show them the bathroom, then they say, where is the bucket? <laughs> they ask for a bucket. Right? They don't feel okay, unless there is a bucket. Because there is a prayer. And the shower doesn't quite cut it. And you can say the same prayer to the shower also. But, but the prayer is Gandhiya Chagamane Chandra, Godavari Saraswati, Narmade Sindhu Kaveri, all the holy rivers of India, of the world. Asmin Bucket Jale. Suddenly they Please enter this miserable body of water. So basically, one feels so fresh. It's like having done Tirtha Yatra, a pilgrimage of all the seven rivers. It's so nice. And same thing, when you put some chandan or some tunaka here, it is not to, uh, some kind of a beautification. It is an acknowledgement of the energy center, which reminds us of the Ishvara that we are wanting to discover, which is within. Same thing. All this, and you never grab a bite to eat. It's an inner yajna. The fire is the jatharagni. Ishvara. Maham vaishvanaro bhutva praninam deham ashrita. Lord Krishna declares in the 15th chapter, I am the stomach fire. And that is how I protect all the beings because I make sure they eat and that's how they sustain themselves. That's how they have young ones and that's how the species is protected. Very beautiful. So it is an inner yajna. That's why we are not allowed to uh, put, what is that called? Junk food. How can you call it junk food at the same time? This is not a garbage can. This is the mouth of the yajna pit. So, eating has to be done very, very, very mindfully and quietly. When I was growing up, that was what all the elders in my house would say, just eat, don't talk when you eat. And then here when I came, everybody would say, let's talk it over lunch. <laughs> lunches I went, they were all shocked because I didn't say anything. <laughs> that was my training. And that there is a reason. You are, you, you are quiet, you are not multitasking, you are not talking to somebody, your attention is all on this inner worship. That is what it is. And when you go to work, that itself is a worship. Cooking is worship. Taking care of children is worship. And when you do it from a place of worship, it becomes yoga. And that yoga in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita is said to be Yoga Bhavati Dukkha. Dukkham Hanti Iti Dukkha. Dukkha means Dukkha killer. This yoga is a Dukkha killer. 
it, it kills the pain and the sorrow once it is worshipfully done. Mm-hmm. Donna, I just made a little fun of Zen, but in a nice way. <laughs> I made a little fun of Zen, but in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> I made a, I made a little fun of Zen, but in a nice oh, way. <laughs> because it is Zendanta anyway. Zen and Vedanta are very very closely aligned. And so you know you you know the yes, yes. and uh, you know the the Vedanta joke on Zen. What the Indian Vedanta teachers, how they talk about Zen? No. No. Okay, so a wild animal comes and growls behind the Zen master. And the Zen master turns like this. That's the lion would go away probably or be in a nice, uh, you know, zoned out meditative state. <laughs> How did you prevent yourself from the assault of the world? Particularly the words, you know, which are very hard. Uh, when they seem to come, it seems like hitting you with a diaphragm yeah. and the pain strikes. Yes, yes. <laughs> First, we turn the premise on its head. You do shirshasana with the premise. <laughs> and from now on we'll say the world is a manifestation of Ishvara and there is no assault. It is not assaulting me. It is not salty, it is not assaulting me. And then that is actually objectivity. That's not subjectivity, that is objectivity. Because it is the truth. World is Ishvara. And if within this there is a uh, world is just a series of alders. And the alder is so vast, so great, that included in that is also disorder. <coughs> disorder is included in that, and that is the painful comment, it strikes at the heart and whatnot. Oh no, that, that is included in the alder. So, if it is included in the order, I look at it differently than if it is a disorder. If it is disorder, I say, hey, you don't belong. That was unfair. How dare you do this? How dare you say this? But if it is included in part of the order, that the world also has occasionally a few weirdos, a few crazies, and a few hurtful people, you know, people who behave in hurtful ways, then my expectation is arranged accordingly. My expectation has undergone a transformation. It doesn't make the world bad. It doesn't make the world full of assault. It doesn't make the world uh, a painful place to be. Because I have adjusted my expectations in the light of the knowledge that the world is Ishvara. It's a manifestation of Ishvara an order so vast that even this order is included in that order. So then, when somebody says something and it hurts, then it's just a little local anesthesia needed. <laughs> Not general anesthesia. Okay, you don't need some kind of a big uh, operation to be done. Just a little balm. 
No, just like when you spray something, you put what is that called? Bengay, iodex, something you put. So here you just say, I know, they shouldn't have said that. Very well, let me give myself a hug and let me make a few faces at them. <laughs> So the first answer is from that idiot over there. <laughs> that is wrong. That's, that's not the correct answer. Now what is the correct answer? From some childhood memory, whether it is remembered or not, some kind of a pain, something, or it is karmic, some karma. Some karma is there. So when you do that, then you own up that that aspect of the pain, you own it up for yourself. You don't go around thinking that the world is out to get you, which is a very sane way of living. The whole thing changes. And you find that there is a pep in your step <laughs> and a smile. For no reason, you're smiling. Yeah. It's very simple, small things. Everything learned from him. <laughs> So many of Just a question. I think uh, people ask you all the time. So they think about the meditation, how to focus. It's like I sit there and not more than a few minutes, you mm -hmm. know, you can concentrate. Yes. And all, even with the guided meditation, I, I should tell you the truth, it's your mind is just yeah, going all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Well, we can't blame the mind. Its job is to go all over the place. Otherwise, we won't be able to see something. We won't be able to do anything. And so, uh, so therefore, uh, we practice OMM. What is that? One minute meditation. <laughs> Acronym is O. Keep a time. And just meditate for one minute. For one minute you can do anything. Even the worst torture one can undergo if one knows it's only for one minute. <laughs> what to talk of a pleasant uh, meditation. Just watch the mind. It's really very, very effective. Watch the mind. Watch the breathing. If the mind is too hard to watch, start with watching the breath. It really calms down the mind also. It calms down the heart. And then after a while, after half a minute, watch the mind. And then beep, 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 your timer has gone. <laughs> then say, oh, I was enjoying myself. I should do again. No, don't do it. <laughs> Keep the mind wanting more. Yeah. Keep it in a state of suspense. It's like limited edition Christmas toys. this time, like this. So, keep the mind wanting more. 
And then when you have mastered one minute meditation, don't go to 47 minutes now. No. <laughs> one minute twice a day. One minute three times a day. One minute four times a day. You can even do it at work. You just zone out. Nobody will even notice. <laughs> they think you're checking out. You're checking in. <laughs> Interval training. Yes, exactly. Intermittent reward. Intermittent reward. I have a question. I, I, I still don't understand why we know what we need to do to be healthy, and yet. I'll just keep the limit. And yet I don't do it. So like I don't eat the way I think I need to eat to be as healthy as I can be. I don't exercise in the way that I feel like I need to to be the healthiest me. So it's kind of like this phenomenon, like I know what I need to do to be the healthiest person physically that I can be, which is, you know, if I'm the healthiest person physically, then I have more to give to Vedanta, obviously, you know, also. And I don't understand why we don't do what we know is good for us. Even Arjuna had that question. Pancharati Purushaha, Anichanati Varshneya, Baladivani Ojitaha. 236, I think. Yeah. What 236? Chapter 2? 36. 36. 36. 36. 36. 36. 36. 36. 36. Contrary to what is known to be in my best and most high interests. Why do I keep persisting? Why does the person keep persisting? Anichanapi, without wanting to, without desiring that. Ichan means desiring. Anichan, not desiring. Baladiva niyojita. I know this is bad for me, I know this is bad for me, but oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All through this. Yeah. All through this. Yes. Yeah. So, what does the Arjuna ask this? Baladiva niyojitaha. It's as though it is established by force. I am forced to not listen to my, my best instincts, my most highest wisdom coming within myself. Why do, the, do I do this? Why does everybody do this, oh Krishna? Because when you were asking this question, I was hearing silent signs of relief. Oh, thank God somebody asked this question. <laughs> yeah, because everybody feels this. Why do we sabotage ourselves? Everybody feels this. And so, Lord Krishna's answer is very, very interesting. Okay? Everything okay there? Okay? Kama Esha, Krodha Esha, Maha Shanaha, 
महापात्मा
If you tell yourself that, then in the meantime you busy yourself doing other things. Then what happens is that there is a little space. And slowly, after three hours, you may forget about it. You may totally forget about it. And next day, oh, I forgot to eat this. And then after three days, maybe you don't want it as much. So, and we have to be gentle again with ourselves. Gently and slowly, we overcome. Yeah, good question. But so, but so many we work about being consistent and being accountable. Like if I say I want to go to the gym, yeah. I want to work on myself. Yeah. But then how do you be consistent? Because then say, oh, I still have this to do, I still have this to do, and then you don't go to that class or something. Yeah. How do you take that accountability? Accountability. Like you don't remind yourself, no, no, yourself, now you have to go to Yes. Give yourself a reward afterwards, then you'll go. Say, <laughs> so if I go to the gym, after that, how many of calories I spent there, then I'm going to a bakery. <laughs> something like that. Maybe that's not the healthiest promise, but something else. And it was just a joke. That was just a joke, but something else. Maybe after the gym, I will stop and do something that I like. I will look at something that I like. Maybe I'll call a friend that I haven't called in a long time. Maybe I'll visit someone. Like that. You tell yourself. And then it becomes very, very easy. You don't have any questions? Yeah, I have a question. Some questions regarding the car. Yeah, this one. There are two versions of it. Yeah, I'm confused. Doesn't matter, both are right. Because a lot of ones have Govinda and they need to stay with Shiva Shaivet and Govinda. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, if you feel like if you feel like Gauri Devi visiting you, then you invoke Gauri Devi. If you want Lord Krishna, invoke Govinda. So all the same. There are two versions. Yeah. No questions, Sabrina? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wanted to ask you, like, you know, can you tell us some instances of your apprentices in your song? Oh, yeah, so many. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Just wanted to pick where to go. Singapore? Were you in Singapore? <laughs> Were you in Singapore? No, I was not in Singapore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was not in Singapore. Uh, but I went with him many places. So to which one? I mean, can I ask you, once you are mentioned about Coimbatore or Tinna, all the people were throwing their kids. Oh, no, that was not in there. Yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> in uh, in Rajamundri, in Andhra Pradesh, or Telangana. Where is it now? Rajamundri. Rajamundri. And there was a uh, Kumbhavishetam, mm. in a small rural uh, place outside. It was not even a Rajamundri proper, in some village in the outskirts. The Shraddha of those people was just amazing. Mm -hmm. It is believed that the all the punya of the jnani, because the jnani doesn't need punya. The jnani is not asking for things and is not using up the punya. And each time the jnani teaches a class, more punya is accrued. And so the punya all goes to the feet. That is the belief. So these people were milking the feet of Swamiji, not just the feet, from the knees onwards. 
and uh, because life doesn't come with an instruction booklet. <laughs> you don't know. This is what is called Vishesha Dharma. How do I behave in a particular situation? And honestly, there is no pat answer for that. First, I would say, don't be afraid to make mistakes and intervene in the wrong situations. <laughs> because only by intervening wrongly in the wrong situation, you say, uh-oh, okay, this was, you know, this was not correct and I should stay away. Sometimes you need to do that in order to not do that. And uh, you live and you learn. And uh, it, uh, the, if there is a formula for this, the key to look at it is, is somebody in danger? If there is somebody in danger, let's say a man is beating a child uh, on the road, intervene, you know, if it is safe to do so, intervene. Or if something like that, somebody is in danger, a child is crossing the road on its own, an animal has strayed out to the street. So when something is in danger, it's an urgent situation, I would err on the side of intervention rather than not. But if it is just a question of watch and wait and watch and see, then it is okay to see. And maybe later on I say, oh, I wish I had done something. Well, there will be many other times in the course of one's life. So I would just say, if something is in danger and you are in a safe place and you have the power to rescue it, so I should add, if you know Kung Fu. And <laughs> so if you know that, then you are very well equipped. You are very well equipped to intervene in certain situations because you can protect yourself. But if it is a dangerous situation and you are not equipped to protect yourself, you can always do the next best thing, call 911. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do both. You have to call 911 and say, hey, stop, or whatever it is. Sometimes that's all it takes. Riding on the coattails of that question, yeah. in a collective society, yes. if, you are in, if you're playing a role which is empowered to intervene, when something is happening. I can't hear very well. What was that? In a society, in a you are society, empowered. In a, yeah. in a society, if you are empowered to play a role, would they like to join us? <laughs> yes. If you are empowered to say. Empowered to play a role. Yes. Say, for example, the action of Dharma. Yes. If you are empowered to play a role. If that's your if, job. If, if that is my job. Yes. Said or unsaid. Yes. But you have some empowerment by being in the role. Yes. And is it okay to intervene even if you know it may go wrong? Yes. You have to intervene. Yeah. But the question is how to intervene. There are many ways of intervening. Yes. The nicest way of intervening is so that it is done in a very, uh, without really making a splash. First, we try that, uh, you know, rather than uh, making a splash. And things will go wrong. If you are in a position of leadership, expect to be attacked. If you are in a leadership, if you are in a position of leadership and you are not attacked, then uh, you know that is uh, a rare stroke of luck. 
Usually, if one is in a position of leadership, because there will be all kinds of projections on the leader, it will be advanced. It's okay. We have, that's why you are in a position of leadership, because you are strong enough to take that and not take it personally. Just say yes. You know, you, when, when, the, when a leader is attacked, when if you are a leader and you are attacked, you say, uh, yes, they have a background. You don't have to know what their background is. Yes, they have a background. And when you say that, there is so much objectivity, you don't take it personally. The whole uh, Vedanta Shastra in action is depersonalizing things in every relationship. This is not targeted at me. <laughs> this is not all about me. They are going through something. And I don't need to know what thing. Whatever it is they are going through, they said it. So look, let it Let me be the bigger person and overlook that. Let me, let me let it go. Yeah, but even if it's not related to the ask him. Yeah. But he said, he sometimes very nasty comments about yeah. people or some different kind of people. Yeah. So, you know, at some point, I didn't really, and I said, this is not common. You can't. I'm glad you did. I'm sure other people were happy. Anybody all the time. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure other people yeah. were relieved. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they were grateful. Sometimes, you know, it is a question of who will bend the cat. <laughs> Talking about religious, uh, <laughs> no, religious is so, totally different. So, your understanding is that each of us are here to exhaust our own. No, that's not right here. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to gain this knowledge. No, I meant like uh, this birth. This birth. The human birth is for gaining knowledge. Because as a dog, you cannot gain this knowledge. You can only wag your tail, and uh, as a cat, you can just uh, groom yourself. You cannot gain this knowledge. As a wild beast, big cat, you cannot gain this knowledge. Only in the human life, you can gain this knowledge. The purpose of the human birth is to study Vedanta, no, no other purpose, really. All other things, exhausting karma, all these things are second. If you are born, of course you will exhaust karma, but that's not. You could have been born as a dog. Why are you a human being? Dog is also exhausting karma, right? Yeah. Here you are born as a human being so that you can be exhausted of all other lives. Yeah. That's why you are born as a Yes. So, but still, if they, what 
Thank you so much. 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 Thank you so